Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Joshua chapter 1, if you have a Bible. Um, I've got a bit of a long intro, but hopefully I won't preach too long this morning after we've already had lots to say this morning. But, um, you know, over the various times of my Christian walk, and, and Joe and I have been saved, you know, 30 plus years, 35 years, we've experienced times of real Christian growth and blessing from God. And even in difficult times, we found strength and courage to stand firm in our faith. But the source of that strength and courage was, at different times, the written word of God. It was quickened by the Holy Spirit. It was embraced by our hearts. We were encouraged. We were equipped. We were set free. They were times where we formed real convictions. And some of those convictions, and I'm not talking about your prison record. I'm talking about convictions that hold you true. Convictions that become solid in your life, that hold you through troubled times. Some of those uh, times, God graciously helped us move forward and gave us confidence to move forward in Him. One of those times was in 2004. Joe and I had uh, uh, just moved with our two daughters from Adelaide and we came to Perth. It was a big move, but we made the move over. We believed it was of God. We left the church in Adelaide and became evangelists and uh, we went into evangelism for seven years. And um, our son had been had left home um, a couple of years before that and he was living in Queensland. And um, Daniel was not just backslidden, he was completely given over to sin. And we were struggling with this, particularly my wife. She was feeling the weight of this emotionally and uh, because we moved right to the other side of Australia, it's like five hour flight to get to Brisbane. It seemed like he was so far away. We were in a prayer meeting on, a, I can't even remember what day it was, but we were in a prayer meeting. Joe was in, in the corner praying on her own and she had been pouring out her heart to God and surrendered our son into the Lord's hand. At that time, she opened up her daily devotional, but also her Bible, and Scripture was quickened to her heart, Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17. It says, but now this is what the Lord says, do not weep any longer, for I will reward you, says the Lord. Your children will come back from the, far, from the distant land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. The children will come home again to their own land. At that time, that scripture, that written word of God, quickened by the Holy Spirit as my wife had been pouring out her heart in prayer, all of a sudden became illuminated in her life. But more than that, it became something we spoke, something we meditated on, something we thought about, and something that influenced our actions from that time until our son returned to us within the next year. In another instance, I remember back in 1985, I've been saved two years. I was a new convert, basically, a new believer. And I was struggling under the weight of, of uh, different issues that were going down in my life. I just couldn't understand why life was so difficult when I was doing my best for God. You ever been that place? 
I'm doing my best here, Lord. Why is it getting so hard? And I remember going to prayer again, opening my Bible after I prayed. And as I'm praying through some things, I looked down at the scriptures. I was working my way through Romans and I read Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. It was one of those aha moments again. It was one of those times where God revealed to me again that everything I was going through, he's building character in me. That he was, he, was, he was doing something beyond what I'd known before in my life. He'd taken all the big rocks out of my life. Drugs and alcohol, all that sort of stuff. Fighting in pubs, doing all the things that I'd done before. He'd taken all the big rocks out of my life. Now he's going to work on some pebbles in me. Those smaller issues in the tiny recesses of your heart. And he's building character in my life. But it built hope in me as well. Again... It became something that I meditated on, something that I spoke about in prayer, and something that influenced the way that I lived. I didn't run away from trouble. I said, if it comes and finds me, then I've got a key to, to make my way through that trouble. In 1515, a long time ago, none of you were around. Pastor Bob, are you there? No, Okay. <laughs> A Catholic monk was struggling with the weight of never feeling worthy. A Catholic monk was struggling in a monastery with the religious battles of, of works and the failure of his life and constantly feeling like he was never up to scratch. And he read in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, the just shall live by faith. And that became a light in Martin Luther's life that it started him on the path for the Reformation. Not only did he think about it, not only did he speak about it, but it changed the way people lived right around the world. In Psalms 119 verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and a, sorry, a guide to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, written word. I want to just give you some context before we read our text this morning. It says, this is talking about Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 in a minute. We're going to read from there. But I want you to think about Joshua. If you've read Joshua's life, I always consider him a man of victory, a man of faithfulness. He was born in Egypt under impression into a land that, where his people were enslaved. He was a man that believed God and the evidence of that was when they came to the edge of the, of the promised land and uh, Moses sent out 12 spies, only two of them came back with a good report. Joshua and Caleb that came back with a good report. He had faith in his heart. He believed God that even though there were giants in the land, they could overcome. For 40 years, he was a faithful assistant pastor to, jo to Moses. For 40 years... He was surrounded by whinging, complaining Jews who were tired. He was, have you ever hung around with a whinging, complaining person for any length of time and thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> 40 years he hung out with those folks. 
For 40 years, he uh, watched everyone around him die, knowing that they were going to die. For 40 years, he fought battles and endured the wilderness. If you've ever been to Alice, Alice Springs, go to Alice Springs and find out what wilderness is on the edge. Go for a drive there. It is barren out there. He did it for 40 years. And for 40 years, he believed God that there was promised land coming. You and I complain about 21 days. When are we going to be able to eat properly again? (laughs) We complain about six months of struggle. We complain about 12 months of struggle. For 40 years, he believed God for a better land. And not only that, he hung around with rebels, people who constantly attacked leadership. That's the backdrop of Joshua chapter 1. Let's read from Joshua 1 verse 1. And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their father to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all uh, according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? What does he say again? Be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's way forward. You know God's got a way forward for you. Here's Joshua, he coming out of the wilderness. He has all these challenges, these struggles within him. He has a, a, a totally new group of people, younger people that have grown up under him. I looked up at an estimate. I don't know about you, what, what you think, how old Joshua is at times, but they estimated he was probably between 70 and 80. And he comes to this land, this border of the promised land. And the first thing God tells him is, I want you to go forward and I want you to go over Jordan. Now, if you're a Bible student, you understand that the Jordan River only floods for three weeks of the year. And when it floods, it's impossible to cross over. It was at that exact time God says, I want you to go over. 
And he's saying, you want me to go forward, but what's in front of me is a swollen river that is impossible to go over. What's behind me is dead bones and past. I'm stuck between the wilderness and a swollen river. I'm just like the day when the children of Israel came and they had nothing but deadness behind them in the form of Egypt, nothing but trouble behind them in the form of Pharaoh and his armies, and before them they had a swollen red sea. He comes again to this place. He wants to go forward. They have to go forward. And he is given a strategy by God. But this understanding of going forward is not only is there a swollen river, but beyond the swollen river are giants. I went up this morning and put my hand up at this cross. I was trying to measure how big Goliath would have been and how big his relatives would have been. Now, I've taken on some big guys in my life, and I did that stupidly. <laughs> but that is one big Goliath. There were giants in the land. That's why they didn't go there in the first place. Well, fortified cities that they felt they couldn't overcome. And he's facing this challenge in front of him. Have you ever felt like there's giants in front of you and there's dead bones behind you? You can't change the past, but what's in front of you seems impossible. Sometimes life gets like that. When Joshua understood that he could not possibly go forward and complete God's assignment in his own strength, Joshua got answers. He needed to courageously move forward trusting God. Can I tell you today, the Word of God was not a nice option for him. It was the only option for him. It was the only option. It's the difference between genuine success and total failure. It wasn't a take it or leave it option. The Word of God was and is today life and death. If you reject the Word of God, can I tell you today, if you're a believer in this place, you're sitting in this church, it's not a game we are playing. We just don't come to church, play happy holy rollers, uh, you know, and, and we just uh, have a little bit of a, uh, a, a best me club on Sundays. We are actually involved in life and death issues. We're the kingdom of God. We're the body of Christ. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Joshua was convinced that only one way forward and the only way forward is that he had to trust the written word of God. Let me pause and ask you a question. Are you convinced that there is no way forward without the written word of God in your life? Without the written word of God, where are you in life? What is guiding you? Well, I feel this and I feel that. Well, it depends on whether or not you have good pizza, whether or not you feel good or you don't feel good. Feelings are going to drop you like a school case. You cannot live by feeling. I meet a lot of soulish Christians. The charismata. They're feeling this and they're feeling that. 
What does the Word of God say? It gives us real clear direction on the way forward. How much of the Word of God is in your life? John 8, 47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Is it a struggle for you to pick up the Bible and actually read it through an ear? I ain't reading, uh, you know, Deuteronomy and, and what's that other one? Ezekiel, what's that all about? Oh, good on you. There you go. Have you ever, I, I used to hear preachers preach out Ezekiel or, or uh, you know, Isaiah. They're heavy preachers, man. I haven't even read those books. You know, the, the fact is, this whole written word of God is the revealed nature of God that you need to understand. It's also the revelation of who you are. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Almighty God affirms to Joshua at this juncture in the history of Israel, he affirms to him, says, I'm with you, I'm going to help you, but listen to me. The Word of God's got to take prominence. I want to draw your attention to four things that I see in this portion of Scripture. The directives of God. Number one is action. We're in series about, you know, Thinking, thinking, acting. Well, here it is, verse 2. He says, now therefore, arise. Get up. Do something. Go over the Jordan. He's looking at the Jordan. He's saying, you want me to go over that thing? You and all the people, not just you on your own in a boat, buddy. I want you to get all three million of those folks over the other side. Verse 3, every place the sole of your foot will tread, I will give to you. As I said to Moses, how can you tread somewhere unless you're going to do something? You've got to act. You've got to put the Word of God into action. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Obedience is about walking. It's about doing. Act now, live it, demonstrate the word of God. Go in confidence, Joshua. Verse 5, I will be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I also will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He invests him in confidence. He says, go and do this. George Muller said, many times when I could have gone insane from worry, I was at peace because my soul believed the truth of God's promises. God's word together with the whole character of God settles all questions. Before George Muller was a Christian, he had a reputation as a liar and a thief. After accepting Christ as his personal saviour, he was used in a remarkable way to provide for over 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. That's another example of a man who takes God at his word and puts it into place. Can that be said of you? That you take God's word and you say, I'm going to put that in place in my life. I'm going to obey that. 
I'm going to do that. But I thought this is all about grace. Greasy grace ain't going to get you to do what God wants you to do. You'll slip sliding away if you're going to hang on to that greasy grace. Grace is abundant to us, but he's also called you to obey. He's also called you to know this word of God. I love grace. I love faith. But I also know that faith has legs. You've got to get out and walk. Walk in the Spirit. James 1.22 People don't like James because he talks about this a little bit. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If today you walk out of this place and say, oh yeah, it was a good word, he was pretty excited, he spat four rows, it was okay. You know what? You need to take what God is saying to you and when you get home tonight or when you get up tomorrow and you pray or you read your Bible and there's a word there, you need to go and do exactly what the word says. Verse 7, do not turn from it, the word of God, to the right hand or to the left hand. You know what, I, I looked at that and I thought, God's saying, hey Joshua, don't try and do this your way. Do I, I tell you to do it. Deuteronomy 5.32 Therefore you shall be careful. This is the word from Moses to Joshua. Therefore you shall be careful to do all that the Lord has commanded. You shall not turn to the aside, to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you. Pretty clear to me. You know, the good thing about our son coming back is after we prayed, it wasn't, it wasn't six months or a year, it was a matter of months, uh, less than a month, we get a phone call. Hey, Dad, how you going? I said, good, Dan, what's going on? He says, uh, what's it like over in Perth? I said, it's good. He said, well, I was thinking about coming over. I said, I'll have a ticket ready for you. Flew him over. I couldn't believe, you know, he'd only been out of my house a couple of years and he comes into our house and he starts arguing with me over the Bible. Almost immediately. Does he know who he's talking to? I'm a preacher. <laughs> what are you arguing with me for, boy? you. Long story short, Dan's saved today. He's married three kids. I love the way that we have conversations about the things of God, but it wasn't all that case. We had to speak that word of God in prayer. We had to meditate on that word when the devil's saying, I'm going to kill him. The devil told me he's going to kill him. But what, 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 the way forward, the way that, that I had to walk was I had to stay true to the convictions of the word of God, that the word of God is truth. He, God said he's going to bring him back from the distant land of the enemy, those stinking Queensland. I'm a New South Welshman, see? <laughs> From the distant land of the enemy, God brought him back and saved today, serving God and a part of our family. Be encouraged today. There is a way forward. There is a way forward. Trust God. What did Joshua do, by the way, after God had said all these things to him? In Joshua chapter 8, verses 32 to 32, Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel at Mount Ebal. 
as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. As it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man had wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrifices of peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. You know what that says to me? Joshua says, I'm not going to just talk about it, I'm going to do it. Men, you're called husband, house bond. Your word should be your bond. If you say it, you do it. I didn't sit here any amens, boys. <laughs> Secondly, better move. Speak the word. God calls Joshua not just to uh, act on it, but he told him to speak it. In other words, become a preacher of the word of God. Verse 8, he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Speak it out. Speak it out. The word of God. Moving forward, Joshua needed to reiterate and repeat the word of God. If you've been saved for any length of time, you've undoubtedly heard Joshua chapter 1 preached before. So why am I preaching again? It's that we do. We preach it, we speak it out time and time and time again. In, the, in prayer, you speak out the Word of God and your trust in Jesus, your trust in God's Word, your trust and faith in His powerful grace. Remind them. Remind them, he was saying, of everything I've promised. Remind them of everything that I have prophesied over their lives. Remind them of the precepts. The word precepts, I know you haven't heard that one very often. It's a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. The precepts, they're guidelines for you of the word of God. In Joshua 8, 35, listen to this. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read Read before the all the assembly of, of Israel with the women, the little ones and strangers who were living among them. He proclaimed the word of God to the children of Israel over and over and over again. If you're anything like me, you're a leaky vessel. Can you remember what was preached last week? Some of you can, some of you can't. Some of you took good notes, hallelujah. <laughs> But we're leaky vessels. That's why we need to be reminded again and again and again of the written word of God. Next, he says, meditate on it. Moving forward, Joshua, you need to exercise some mental discipline. Don't keep playing Angry Birds or Candy Crush. Joshua, that's not going to help you. You need to meditate on the word of God. There have been times and seasons. Oh, I remember one specific time. I was, I was working as a surveyor and I was in Ipswich. And um, we, had, uh, we had to measure this pipe that was 1.5 metres under the ground. And uh, we had to find it because they were going to do some excavations there and we had to do a preliminary su survey of the area. So um, I was the junior out of all of them. So they said, Gaff, you're going to have to get down and measure the pipe. I said, okay, so I get down there and dug the hole and I measured the pipe. And then up the other end of the pipe was another pipe. And they said, can you tell us what the measurement on the other end of the pipe to crawl up this pipe? So I'm up this pipe, 1.5 metres down, about 
a meter into this pipe and I've got my hands with a tape and I could feel fear starting to grip me. You're going to get stuck here. They're going to have to get a backhoe to get you out. There's going to be, have to be a rescue team. All these thoughts started to come through my head. All of a sudden it says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but one of love, power and a sound mind. I'm sitting there saying, oh, I'm saying that scripture over and again and out of my voice, but I've heard, I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking about it. And the guys are going, let's go down there, Gav. I said, I've got to get, get some dominion in here. What do you mean dominion? <laughs> I had to kick fear in the teeth. And the only way I could do that was thinking about the word of God. It's my experience, unfortunate experience, that a lot of believers today are biblically illiterate. When it comes to hard circumstances, what scripture do you turn to in your mind? Even if you haven't got a Bible or a Bible app on you. What scripture do you immediately reference off? Because when Christ was tempted by the enemy, what did he say? It is written, devil. If Christ referred to the written word of God, is it any more difficult for you and I or is it any less that we should do that? Psalms 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I love that scripture. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The way forward is... Meditate on the Word of God. Get the Word of God in there. Filling your mind with the Word of God is a powerful influence on the way you're going to behave. Meditating on the Word of God will be reflected in your success as a Christian and as a member of society. Let me pause this question. How prominent is the Word of God in your thought life? Colossians 3.2 says, your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. For all you who are worried about what's happening in the football today. 1 Peter 1.13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How's your thought life? Lastly, and I do close with this. Maybe we could have some come up, musicians. Be strong and good courage. You cannot preach this sermon without, or go to the portion of Scripture without talking about it. Don't be a spiritual wimp. A suki lala. Be strong and of good courage. Your God is the awesome, almighty God. <laughs> there is nothing too hard for the God you serve. Don't become like the dead bone in the wilderness who were whinging and complaining about what God's not doing and what the church isn't doing and what we're not doing here. And what. Be strong and of good courage and move forward in Christ. 
Joshua repeats these words. I, would, I reckon he repeated the words over and over again, but he, he spoke it back to Israel. In Joshua chapter 3, verse, sorry, 23, 6, it says, Therefore be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or the left. It's been spoken three times, first by Moses to Joshua, then by uh, God to Joshua, then by Joshua to the children of Israel. I want to say to everyone here today, be strong and of good courage. I don't know what future lies for all of us. I, don't, I can't tell you the future. Neither does anybody in this world can tell you the future. Know who holds the, your future? The God who holds your future. And we need to walk forward with good courage, believing. We need to think, read, speak, act on the living Word of God. Grow personally in the face of every struggle and every situation and say, I'm going to move forward in Christ. I love Colossians 3.16, the first part of the Scripture says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Don't be a spiritual pauper. Just sort of making it each week. Be a victorious Christian. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.